I'm sure there are people that hate black women trying to be funny, but I don't think everybody consciously hates black women in comedy. They just don't even notice that we're there. And that's the thing I'm trying to correct in my own small way. You know, it's like, no, we're here and we're doing this and we're going to compete with any other show out there. Black women get a bad rap about a lot of things. We get stereotyped, forgotten. I mean, I'm not telling you all something you didn't already know. But one of the stereotypes about us that I absolutely reject is that black women don't have a sense of humor. I don't know who started that lie, but black women are funny as fuck. First of all, for most of us, the first comedian you ever knew was your mama. Now I know when she was beating your ass, it wasn't that funny. But when you got grown, you realized your mama was hilarious. I know mine certainly is. Anyway, speaking of black women being funny, my guest on today's episode is a black woman who is funny as hell. In fact, she has a show on HBO right now that you need to watch that's all about black women being funny as hell. Funny and authentic, I should say. The show is called A Black Lady Sketch Show. And Robin Thede, who created the show, writes for the show, and acts on the show, joins me next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered. Robin Thede, you've been on the stroll. Oh, my God. <laughs> HBO. They got know, me out here. They got you on these corners. Like, on these you know, corners slanging these sketches. They're right slanging them. <laughs> but I'm so happy uh, for you because I first met you when you were on Larry Wilmore's show. Yeah. When you were part of the writing and, and talent team there. And so to see you go from being on that show, knowing... You were brilliant then, Aww. but seeing everybody catch up to you now, I'm like, I knew she was smart. I knew she was talented. I knew she was funny. That's why you were visionary. And you know what I'm saying? So uh, it is just so great to see, not just you celebrated, to see what you're celebrated for. Um, wow. Because this uh, sketch show, a black lady sketch show, I can't wait to find out how you came up with the title. I know it must have been so hard. <laughs> so hard. Uh, it's so difficult. Racking my brain. But, um, but does this, I mean, you've been through these media things before because when you obviously when you had your own late night uh talk show you went through a yeah. round of publicity but this is like this, this is, is big. wild no this I never, i've done a lot of press for a lot of things but this press push for a black lady sketch show has been complete and thorough and months long and and i'm so glad that people even want to talk about it you know it's it's you know, you create something and you call it a black lady sketch show, which is a very bold title. Um, but, you know, it's like, are people going to want to watch this? Or are they going to want to see it? But I always felt like we've never had this, so why not? Mm. You know? So, but yeah, but being out here talking about it on all the late night shows, magazines, you know, blogs, everything has been really you, fun. You are everywhere. Um, so the other the other part of it, too, that's really interesting is that... Uh, you have been able to through, I think, just by even for people who, may, who haven't yet to see this show. Uh, Rude, you, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, well, by the way, get your life. Get your life together. You better watch a Black Lady Sketch Show. Friday nights, 11 p.m. HBO. Tell them, tell them or where watch it is. It on oh, streaming, on demand. on demand. Right, HBO Go, HBO, HBO Now. HBO Go, HBO, HBO Now. HBO used to be HBO in the future. All the, All the HBOs. All that's, the HBO. That's where it used to be. Um <laughs> But no, but it, I guess it, it's this probably this this really good place to be not just celebrated for your work, but to be celebrated for some black work. Yeah, because this is some black shit. It's super black. It's super black. How did, I just want to know how did this pitch meeting go? Were you like, I got an idea? Yeah, a bunch of black women, and guess what we gonna call it? Like, 
what did you do? It's Who you crazy. got pictures of I to know, get this right? greenlit? <laughs> I know it's so crazy. Like, I think that just the right time. Everybody knew once they heard the idea that it was it was something that we needed to do. It had never been done. You've never even on like in Living Color, Chappelle Show, Key and Peele. It's like all these amazing black men are at the forefront of groundbreaking comedy. When we think about sketch, you know, for black people, when we think about sketch, we don't think about SNL. We think about Chappelle Show. We think about in Living Color. And um, there were women on In Living Color, you know, Takia, Kim Wans, you know, all these amazing black women, but they don't, you don't think about them first, you know, for a, a lot of people when you think about those shows. So I was like, well, how can I put us at the forefront? Oh, I know, only put us on the show. So I went into, so my late night show, The Rundown with Robin Thede got canceled. And the same day that that announcement came out, Issa Rae, great friend of mine, obviously a darling over at HBO for Insecure and all her other work. Um, called me and said, oh, I heard about the show. And I was like, thanks, girl. I appreciate that. She was like, yeah, anyway, fuck all that. What are we doing? What <laughs> Damn, do you want to do? Just <laughs> I, yeah, like she wasn't calling to like, you know. Console you. No, not at all. <laughs> she was like, let's go. Get up. Let's go to work. And I said, I really want to do this sketch show with all black women. And she was like, well, what's it called? And I was like, it's called The Black Lady Sketch Show. And I'll tell you how we changed the name to A shortly. But so she said, okay, just bring it to HBO. I know you said you've pitched it to a couple other places, but bring it to HBO, let us see if we can get it made there. So sat down and have dinner and we hadn't even gotten our entrees and they were like, yeah, we want to do this. Like the thing about the show, I think the way I pitched it and my passion for it was like, anybody who buys this show will get to do, will get to have history in the making. We'll get to make something epic. We'll get to have something incredible. And like, you know, I can put it together a great show. I've done it. I've proven myself. Let me go. And so HBO said, yeah, okay, fine. No development period, no pilot, just here's six episodes, straight to series. And I hadn't shot anything. I hadn't written anything. I just pitched my ass off, you know? And and I told them the kind of people I wanted to work with, and I told them the kind of content I wanted. And I really wanted to make a narrative sketch show that told stories of Black women living these grounded experiences, but in a magical, ridiculous reality. So that if, you know, um, there's a bride and a groom getting married, I can play the dude. Or if there's, you know, a, a woman stealing dance moves in a club, she could also be an alien using those for her own purposes. You know, like all these crazy things that we've been able to do on the show. So that was something that I think HBO really sparked to and credit to them because they understood the vision in just a few minutes, you know? And then did you hear what happened at that dinner? Mm, no, tell so, me. So at the end, the waitress comes up and she goes, the gentleman is taking care of the bill. And we're like, who? And we're looking around and she cuts her eyes over to the right and it's Denzel Washington. You lying. Not lying. What? Not lying. He paid for our dinner. He heard what what I was pitching, essentially. And so wait, so, Denzel was ear hustling? <laughs> this nigga was ear hustling. <laughs> and... I think Issa says she bought her, he bought her dinner. I say he liked my pitch. And so he was like, yep, congrats. Right. You know, and he heard the HBO executive say, okay, we want to make it. So he bought our dinner, which is so dope. And that was just such a good omen for us because, you know, I wanted this show to support the dozens and dozens of black women, obviously, who are on the show, who I know are so funny, but also the hundreds of thousands of black women who are out here doing various forms of comedy and trying to just struggle and make it in a in a medium that's still dominated by men, especially white men, but that's still definitely dominated by men. Black women don't get to rise to the top. It's why we can name our famous black 
women comedians on two hands. And that's not cool, you know? Like, there are so many funny black women out here just hustling. And I thought that this could be one small way that we keep that door open to see more of us in the game. And that's why we called it a black lady sketch show instead of the also, because if it was the, then it was the only one. Right. Right. And if it's a, then it can just be one of many. One of many funny black women. Yeah. Okay. And if people very don't, intentional. Yeah. It's very intentional. And if people don't respond to this exact brand of humor, then make another one. I'll, I'll produce it. You know what I mean? Like I'm here for us doing all sorts of different things and playing all sorts of characters, men, women, nerds, aliens, you know, whatever, just to show what we can do. Cause I feel like on other sketch shows, SNL or whatever, even when we have black representation, it's not always written for us by people who look like us. And I think that's what's so dope is we have an all black woman writer's room. We have a black woman director, black woman head writer, all black women in the cast. Like, you know, you're going to get an authentic comedy experience, which I like. So, um, what, well, when Denzel paid for the the bill, were you thinking, damn, I wish I would have ordered that lobster? <laughs> no, because I already thought HBO was paying for the bill. Oh, so, so you were already like, good it up. Mm, let me take a side to take home. Right. <laughs> right. Um, like, why do you need three entrees? Don't worry about why I need three why entrees. Why are you in my business? <laughs> uh, How dope is that? That is, well, I mean, that's super I mean, it amazing. it seems right, right? Like, it seems like what Denzel would do. He seems like that But guy. you never know. I mean, you've been in this town and in this industry for a while. Yeah. I mean, kindness is not something that you should necessarily expect, especially a that's random true. act such as that. Did he walk over to the table? Or no, did never. Just, See. He never said anything to us. And he was like actually on his way out as we found out that. And I think he wanted it to be anonymous because she was very cagey about it. She was like, oh, the bill's been taken care of. And we're like, by who? Because we're ignorant. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Okay, who? Like, am I going to get a date up right. in here? You know I did. You know I did. And then it was like, uh, the gentleman. And I was like, what gentleman? Loud as hell. <laughs> Oh, uh, 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 we look over and Issa's like pinching me. She's like, it's Denzel, it's Denzel. And then we start arguing over who he was buying it for. But <laughs> well, such you, a class act. Well, you know, that means that um, you have to write something for him. I, I mean, Some do you think part. he would do it? We have to get a season two first, God willing. That's but, true. Yeah, I would love. We'll just promise Denzel and I'm sure that'll happen. Okay. Yeah, there great. you go. Yeah, so we're going to put this out there. <laughs> yeah. Denzel, you need to do a black lady sketch show. Oh my God. Could you imagine what amazing. you could write for him? Oh my God, the material's Anything. endless. Anything. Because he's never really allowed to be funny. He's not. And that's the great thing about this show is we got people like Gina Torres, Angela Bassett, you know, all Loretta these Divine. like- Loretta oh. Divine. Well, Loretta Divine's a comedian though. But yeah, but all these people who yeah. are only seen really for drama- and got them to play these ridiculous I'm sorry, characters. I was thinking Laverne Cox. That's why. Oh, yeah. Laverne yeah. Cox is so funny. Yeah. She's dumb funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, but Loretta Devine is obviously on there and funny as hell as well. well we, we have so many more people coming up. I do have something uh, that some sound from La, uh, Loretta Devine talking about you. Um, but we'll we'll get to that <laughs> oh in a moment. Oh, my yeah. uh, But key question, have you been asked yet, why can't it be called, Why come, you know, why isn't there a white lady sketch show? <laughs> Is anybody no? No, the white people ask, have not asked. Have no, been, white people ask why isn't there a white man sketch show? And oh I'm damn, like, they just disrespecting that fifty three percent, huh? Well, yeah, 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 right. They're not even looking for the women. But the crazy thing is, there was a sketch show. One of my favorite sketch shows was called "The Whitest Kids You Know," and I always I remember them this. out. They're I remember so this. Yep. funny. They're they have honestly one of my favorite sketches. This Abraham Lincoln sketch, one of my favorite of all time. Look it up if you haven't seen it. But they're so great and they're so funny and they were so irreverent. So this is not the first time a sketch show has been named this way. Um, I. Can't can't even take credit for that but uh i think it's always controversial when you just lay it out there right you just lay it on a table and people are like oh how dare you 
Um, but you know what? That was part of the reason to name it that way, too, is like three things, right? One, it's a who's on first, Gerald. What are you watching? A black lady sketch show. Oh, which one? A black lady sketch show. <laughs> Two, because if they do ask, why aren't there any white men in the cast? Then you, I already told you what it was from the title, right? You can't be confused. You cannot be confused. Yeah. And three, because it uh, it sets a mission, mission statement forward from the get-go. And I think that that was important. We wanted to call it like the All-American sketch show. But then we were like, oh, people tune in to see only black women. They're going to be mad. See, then you get letters, right? Then we get letters. Are so you, this way, I think it kind of even the playing field. Yeah. Was there any, in all seriousness, though, was there any part of you that was a, maybe concerned or had a doubt like, man, will this be a turnoff for some people? I don't care. I really don't. I, I'm just like, no. A turnoff, no. You know what our concern was? And Issa and I actually talked about this. Um, we talked about, well, we don't want black women to think that we you know, obviously you're trying to say we're a monolith or that we all are the same or that we represent every single black woman. We don't want them to think that, but we want them to know that we're out here representing a few black women and showing you different ways that black women can be. Between the four core cast members, um, we play a hundred original characters in six episodes. So we're just giving you a hundred different types of black women, you know? Um, and so that was a concern because I always want to make sure that we're doing right by our own people because that's who we made this for. I mean, we invite everyone to watch, but I'm not going to lie and say I'm not making this for black women. Of course I am. But I'm also making it for a world who only thinks black women can do one thing in comedy, which is be loud and roll our eyes, you know? The sassy black woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, there's different reasons to do it for different types of people. So you brought up Loretta Devine. Uh, she was interviewed somewhat recently and... Um, I don't remember exactly what the question was, but she was just talking about how, you know, it's a, a great thing for her as an actor that all this new and exciting material is available to people with her varied skill set. And she specifically brought up a black lady oh. sketch show. So here's what Loretta said. I just did something on a black girl sketch and oh my God, you go, oh, is Ray and Robin. Robin Thede. <laughs> It's like, where, where are they coming up with this stuff, you know? And so um, it's just so ingenious, and they're not afraid, and they're bold, and they're putting all kinds of stories out there. So it's so exciting. Auntie Loretta. Because that's, that's the most auntie-esque compliment. It's a great compliment. It's a great compliment. She, my last name is Thede, so she'll <laughs> learn it one day. Right? I saw her on a flight back from Essence, I think. And she was like, I saw your trailer. And I said, ma'am, it's our trailer. She said, I'm not in it. I said, yes, you are. And I froze it where her picture was, but it comes up really fast in the trailer. So she missed it. And she was like, oh, okay, it is our trailer. I said, okay. <laughs> Can you imagine being Mrs. Loretta Devine and being, she wasn't salty, but being like concerned that you weren't in the trailer? Like, and I mean, she really did not care, but like, it was so funny that she had seen it. It just came out that day. And she had seen it and was excited. So I love that she's out there talking about Did she call show. it the HBO? I don't know what she called <laughs> she's it. Like the she's like the Netflix. Hulu, the Netflix. <laughs> she's amazing. When, yeah. she, when I tell you she came, she was so great, so prepared and like just so game to play. She's so funny. She was like, can I, can I say ass right here? And I was like, ma'am, it's HBO. You can show your ass. You can do whatever you want. All right now. <laughs> Coming soon. You right. can see Loretta Devine's ass. Um <laughs> Well, she can do whatever she wants. We we love her. That's one of the things I already love about the show is that you are taking people and 
uh, black women in particular, as you've mentioned throughout yeah. this podcast, and putting them in in a space <laughs> and putting them out there in ways I don't think a lot of us were prepared for. No. I mean, probably to this point in, in the show, because it's, it's two episodes in at this at the taping of this podcast. Yeah. Um, the fact that you got Angela Bassett running the Bad Bitch Support Group, yeah, that's my favorite sketch. In a bodycon and, and a, a fur bo- coat, right. ma'am. You have heard Laverk, <laughs> a Marlon Agra, oh my goodness. Dennis and me, just the bad bad bitches, and that is, I mean, honestly, I talk about this a lot, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I never expected to be acting across from Angela Bassett. Why would I? And really, honestly, it's probably an abomination that I did. But um, she is so fantastic. She was so game, so ready to come and play with us, so professional. She knew her lines, everybody's lines. You didn't have to tell her anything twice. Like, just, she's, the way she moves on a set is just like a master class. And she was so funny. And I've never heard her curse before on screen that Me? I remember. She probably so did in what's that ran through my mind. I was thinking, has she cursed before? And I, I'm I, sure she has. I'm sure she has. But I just, she's so classy, you don't yes. remember it. <laughs> and, or she, if she did, it was probably something like beat your ass. Like it, it wasn't one of the harsher ones. It wasn't the, you like know, was, the fucks you know, and all the all things she that was thrown around. She was delivering it. I was like, Ooh. oh my God. You noticed it, right? I did. I yeah. was like, Trey's mama. Right here cursing. Y'all got Tina Turner cursing. <laughs> it's, the, it's the 20th or 21st anniversary of how Stella got her groove back. And I saw her recently on um, two things. But one thing she was talking about, I think it was Watch What Happens Live. She was like, I would do a remake. Like, I would do it. And I was thinking, I would watch that all day long. She's turning 61 Which in August. Which is already... Which she may have already. I can't remember her exact It's, it's criminal, though, because she looks like she's 21. It's criminal how amazing she looks. <laughs> and she was 40 then, if you think about it, when she did How Stella Got a Groove Back. You're right. And I think about her as like... I mean, I guess she was supposed to be an older woman, but she has never looked old, will never look old. And I, let me tell you, for everybody listening... If you want to know if that's what she looks like in person, yes. <laughs> she looks amazing in person. We did nothing to, like, enhance her face. Like, because, you know, some people, there's things you have to do in post or whatever. She is not one of them. She looks so amazing. Have you seen her in person? I have never seen her in person. It's kind of scary because she's so beautiful. I just don't know how God put a face together like that. Honestly, <laughs> it's I don't know how to I I sound like a stalker, but she's amazing. Well, I think she, people get it. She uh she's in that group of of celebrities yeah. that I'm not sure how to have a conversation with them. You know what I'm saying? Like what, you know what with her? What it's do very you talk easy. to Angela Bassett about? I talked to her. She was going to Morehouse to do a speech, and I was like, "Oh, they're having you come do the Morehouse convocation." She was like, "Yeah, I'm nervous about my speech," and I was like, "Well, what are you gonna say?" We were talking about that, and she was just eating her almonds and just being like a regular person. Of course, she was eating almonds. Of course, she was. Damn. That body is ridiculous. Is that sacrilegious? Am I allowed to talk about Angela Bassett's body? I talk about it all the time because I'm just like, because you're so fascinated. I don't look like that now at 61. What am I gonna? She put it all between her and Halle Berry. What are they doing to us? I don't know. These are ridiculous standards, and I will never be able to meet. Well, you, you, uh, I know part of your mission obviously was to to put black women in these different roles, and it is funny that it seems as if people don't understand that. Black women are funny. Black people are funny oh as hell. Oh my god! But they think black people invent a comedy. Like, let's be oh real. Oh my goodness! Like, like, we uh, were funny out of tragic situations. It's why it's in our DNA. It's in our genetics. And like Angela Bassett 
Regina Hall, like these women, Tracy Ellis Ross, they've never hosted SNL. That doesn't make any sense to me. Whoopi Goldberg has never hosted SNL. She's been in a sketch. But she called, Tiffany Haddish called her and said, what should I do when I host? And Whoopi goes, I don't know. I've never done it. And Tiffany was blown away as we all were because no one even realized that that was the case. So it's like it's like our Invisible Spy sketch that Ashley Nicole Black is in on the show. It's like, it's not that people, um, well, I'm sure there are people that hate black women trying to be funny, but but I don't think everybody consciously hates black women in comedy. They just don't even notice that we're there. And that's the thing I'm trying to correct in my own small way. You know, is like, no, we're here and we're doing this and we're going to compete with any other show out there. Mm. So how challenging... Uh, I mean, I know this, you could probably spend the rest of this podcast talking about this. Was that my phone? I that think. ain't me. That was, that was me. <laughs> See, now my producer's in <laughs> here. She's going to kill me because she <laughs> always tells me, shut off your computer. I blew it. Damn. Damn. Your computer be snitching. I know. Damn thing. <laughs> um, but now, how challenging was it for you as as a black woman entering this particular genre uh, especially because even more specific you were for you were focused on late night comedy on top I was, of that but I started in sketch mm -hmm. so I was on a, a sketch show what most people this is my sixth or seventh sketch show uh most people would have known a show called in the flow with Avion Crockett that was uh on Fox back in 2011 I think um but I've done some sketch before then I was on Key and Peele on a couple sketches I was in um oh I think only one minute to air but uh I was on a TBS sketch show. I was on, you know, a bunch of different ones, but they never really had long seasons. They got canceled. <laughs> but to be fair, I didn't create those shows. Uh, but sketch is like that, right? Sketch comes and goes. But um, so this was just a return home for me. Um, and even when I was doing, when I was head writer at Queen Latifah show or head writer and correspondent on the nightly show or on the rundown, you know, we did a sketch called A Hairmaid's Tale that got you know, uh, named one of the top 10 best moments in late night in 2017. So sketch has always been a part of what I'm doing. And I think um, HBO understood that too. Like they understood that I was kind of returning home. I went to Second City in Chicago. I had a resident team at Improv Olympic in LA and was performing with all these black lady sketch groups. Um, I used to perform in a show called 227, the live episodes, the lost no. episodes, where I played Jack <laughs> That just K. sounds funny. <laughs> we would just improvise a half hour episode. We would play commercials in between and we would just improvise uh, never before seen episodes of 227. And I played Jack you Pearl? Oh, Sandra. <laughs> no, I'm Sandra. And in episode three of A Black Lady Sketch Show, we do a 227 reboot that you have to see. It's oh, amazing. I can't wait. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So it's so I've always had the pleasure of performing live with a bunch of different black ladies in sketch and improv. So it was just like a no-brainer for me to bring this to TV. So it wasn't a jump for me. It was just kind of a return home. Mm. But, it, I mean, you were talking about how crazy it was that Tiffany Haddish was the first black woman to have Well, the first black stand-up. Uh, stand-up stand comedian, yeah. sorry, yes, to have hosted SNL. What's crazy is that you're the first... Black female writer on a you were the first black female writer on yeah. a late night show. Head writer, yeah. Head writer, right. Yep. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Wanda Sykes, I think, was the first, and then Amber Ruffin was this oh was the first writer on a late night show on Chris Rock's show. Amber Ruffin, I think, was the second in 2016 or whatever on Seth Meyers. And then I was the first uh black woman head writer in late night in 2015 on the nightly show. What? I mean, you know, no, and it's crazy that I can rattle off those like few names. Few names, right? Those, that's even yeah. that's even the it's more bad. embarrassing thing is like yes. you were the first uh, for that particular category, and you know all the others who and and well, the there's only been fit. one other black woman as a head writer in late night, and I know her because I hired her. 
on my late night show. And that's it. There's two of us. So what what is this glass ceiling that's going on in Hollywood for for that? You know, for a long time, late night especially, and sketch. It's like I don't like to enter industries <laughs> that aren't incredibly difficult or something because the only type of comedy I do is like where white men have always dominated, right? You think about the machine of SNL and how they've been such a major, major cornerstone for sketch comedy for years. And so many dozens of sketch comedy shows have come and gone, but they've lasted. And there's a reason for that. And what Lorne Michaels has created has been amazing. But, you know, in order to feel like other people are represented in the genre, you have to go up against not only that show, but like every other comedic offering that's out there. And I just think it's so dumb that black women haven't cornered the market on it because we're I mean everybody thinks about their mothers or their grandmothers or their aunties and how funny they are to all the stand-up comedians I mean to Whoopi to Monique to Wanda to all these amazing black women um who make us laugh and it's just it's just such a silly thing I don't remember what your question was <laughs> well I was just asking is like why I mean why that particular glass ceiling oh, yeah. seems to exist but you I know. don't know I think racism I mean I think that's the short answer and also because they don't see us they just don't that see invisibility us. that it, it's that invisibility thing and i think they're scared right and they don't understand how to write for us they don't understand that we could lead a show i think they don't think the market would want to see it but i think and i hope that we'll continue to prove people wrong i think the buzz about this show has been amazing and people are watching and they're sharing it and basic ball oh my god in episode 2 went crazy viral and you know that was our pose parody that was just it's just a silly sketch but to see us i think having joy and playing these broad and or grounded or nuanced characters, these layered characters, talking about clinical depression and making a joke about it, like in that sketch is like, you never would think that you would see black women doing that. So how do you know when you have a funny sketch? When I laugh. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're, I mean, you're the test. <laughs> yeah. Does it make me laugh or does it make the room laugh? You know, I mean, we have this amazing writer's room of all these incredible black women at the top of their game. And, I think you just got to pass that test, right? And I know, I feel a click. I always talk to my writers about this. If you pitch me a sketch, or I'm pitching a sketch, or anybody's pitching a sketch, and I feel a click, I can feel it in my gut. So I feel it, you know how like gears, like two, like the gears click together when they're, I don't know, why am I doing this? Like you can, the world can see my hands. Anyway, you feel it like click into place, right? Um, and... I don't know if other people feel that, but that's just what I always call it. And I'm like, oh, that's it. Like when I heard the pitch to have Angela Bassett be the head of the Bad Bitch Support Group and that she was really an op for Fashion Nova, I was like, yeah, that's it. Like that makes sense to me. That makes me laugh. That's going to be great. But I think at the end of the day, you just have to, you can't force it. And if you're trying to like work your way around something and, oh, is this funny or could it be, then just move on to something that makes you laugh immediately. Now, as you know, um, and this is something that you addressed on the show, that we are living in a heavy time of cancel culture. Yeah. So is it more difficult to create the type of material that you're aiming to create when that culture does exist? When especially, I mean, comedians are police now more than they I ever know. have. So how do you navigate? I think you just got to be funny. I think you can do a lot of stuff. As long as you're funny. I also don't punch down. So I don't like to do jokes that are mean or at people's expense. I mean, I was like, I made a joke about not liking the five heartbeats, which it's a joke, people. Um, and I was oh, like, oh, I'm, I'm about to get canceled for this. <laughs> but the, the whole gag of that 
it's in one of our interstitials, which are the the content that goes between the sketches with the four women in the house. And I was like, okay, we each when we were writing it, I was like, each one of the women has to say something they're going to get canceled for. And so we were like, okay, Quinta's going to say she don't eat chicken. And I'm going to say I don't like the five heartbeats. And then uh, Gabrielle's character is going to say she doesn't, because uh, we're talking about Ashley's character not wearing a scarf at night. And so Gabrielle's character is going to say she doesn't wear lotion. I was like, cool. I was like, why do I feel like I'm the only one that's going to get canceled? <laughs> and people definitely tweeted at me and were like, this is ridiculous. How can you not like the five heartbeats? I was like, oh, my God. People calm down. It's a joke. Like it's on a sketch show. <laughs> it's a joke. But people take it. They take it so seriously. So for me, it was like, I know what that responsibility feels like. I don't think there's anything we could... I mean, look, people can cancel you for whatever they want to. I don't think you can be scared. But I also think you have to be cognizant of the fact that you don't need to just make jokes at people willy-nilly for no reason. If they earn it, then it's fine. But I think you know what's going to get you canceled. And the things that get you canceled that you can't anticipate, fuck it. At least I still made a great show. You know what I mean? You have to believe in your product. Yeah. But I just try not to be super rude. I mean, I did say Leon wasn't interesting, but that was a joke. <laughs> He's very interesting. I, I'm, I don't believe you. <laughs> We're looking at you your... should. <laughs> well, I guess my uh, my movie that would probably get me canceled. Belly Which was one? trash. I don't get. I don't oh! get belly was trash. Did yeah, you hear I that? Said it, black people. She said belly, belly was trash. Belly was trash. Matthew Cherry was having a debate about uh, belly and paid in full. And he was like, belly wins, hands down, visuals. And I was like, but paid in full, the script, the acting, the writing. See, this to me is when you know the movie was not good, is when... You got to talk about the visuals. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. Everybody talks about, oh, that opening scene and the steady know, already you like, that's the whole all. Movie. Thank you. And I truly believe they never gave DMX a, strip, a script. I think he was just playing himself. I... Yeah, but isn't that what you want to see, though? I mean, you do. Fair? Oh, no. I would watch a movie of DMX all day. I wish he would get his shit together and just be on my television because he is so fucking entertaining. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Belly was confusing. I think the whole script went out the window at one point or another. But I got to give it up to Belly for being innovative and what Hype did was really dope. But I watched Paid in Full all day. Oh, Paid in Full is, is actually, I think, a good movie. Paid in Full is one of my favorite it's, movies. It's a really good movie. I watch it constantly. I, you know how people watch, like, I don't know, Trading Places or whatever at Christmas? I watch Trading Places and Paid in Full. I don't know why. It's like that's a holiday a, That's an interesting message me. uh, <laughs> about, <laughs> about your life. That's an interesting message. I just love message. the movie. I love it. I think the acting is so good. So who is the black lady you most want to be in a skit on a, a black... Oh, I'm not a sketch. I have to correct everyone. A sketch. Everyone. I'm sorry. It's okay. I actually I'm made like, a sketch. I put sketch in the title, and everybody goes, "I like that skit where you." Um, I'm like, a skit is what you do on a junior high pep rally. Yeah, stage. no, this is this is grown shit. Grown a sketch. shit. Real but shit. We is, spent time on this. Who is the black lady you most want to be in a sketch on a black lady sketch? Oh, show? so many. Mm. But if you can only pick one, that's you just made that up. I can pick five. I, I know, but I, All right, I, I can only pick one. It has to be Beyonce. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I'm a stand. Okay. I'm in the beehive. I'm going to give you three names. You can okay. only have one of these for a sketch. Oh, shit. Is okay. it like one got to go? <laughs> sort of. Oh, no, I can only pick one. You can only pick okay, one. Okay, got it. Beyonce? Well, it depends on the sketch. Okay, I got you. I'll play. <laughs> Look, I'll play. Why you to make this complicated? <laughs> Beyonce. Uh -huh. Oprah. Oh! Michelle Obama. Oh! You can yes. only have one. That's bullshit. <laughs> it's my show. <laughs> You're right. Um. Okay. I can only have only one, one in a sketch. What's the sketch about? <laughs> Whatever I want. Whatever right? you want. Okay. Oprah, Beyonce, 
Michelle Obama. Okay, so here's the thing about Michelle Obama. I think she would be fantastic. She would bring the authoritative nature. So I would like to see her in a lesser status role. So if she could have her Wayne Brady on Chappelle moment and like play something that's very against type, that would be dope. It would. Oprah in anything though, I, I say this in a good way. Oprah takes me out of everything that I see her in. Except for Color Purple. But it's not because she's not good, because I think she's a phenomenal actress. It's just because I'm such a stan. Like, I'm just like, ah, it's Oprah! You know, I'm just like one of those people that would literally pass out if I see Oprah. Um, and Beyonce, oh, oh, my queen. Now, I, I will say this, and uh, please, so Beyonce. I'm going to pick one, though. I'm going to pick one. You're going to pick one? All right. But go ahead, say what you But I'm going to say this. Um, and please, Beyonce, have people, don't light me up, because I don't feel like dealing with y'all. Oh, don't say this. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I, it's no disrespect when I say this. Okay, okay. But, you know, because you're dealing with Beyonce, you yeah. have to qualify everything. Yeah. But... I think of the three names I gave you, I think Michelle Obama's probably the funniest. If I had to guess. Oh, no. I actually think Oprah's the funniest. You do? Oprah is hilarious. Mm. Even when she's not intending to be. But, like, Oprah's very... No, Michelle's very funny, though. Because you see her on I late night shows. I had a conversation with Michelle. Michelle's very funny. Oh, that I was a good humble brag. Beyonce, Beyonce was good in um, that Austin Powers movie. Yeah, no, Beyonce can be, they all three can oh, be funny. Oh, so hard. Okay, but who's you know your choice? Who's I'm your choice? Say, I'm going to say Oprah. Nope, I'm going to say Beyonce. Listen. Nope, Michelle Obama. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I tap out. <laughs> you just named like my three I did most it on amazing purpose. women ever. That is so hard. It would depend on the sketch. Can we just get all of them? I'm not picking one. I'm not doing it. I refuse. So it would, it would depend on it. the sketch. All right. I'm not going to pick any of them then. Okay. I just can't take the pressure. So- uh, well, we had Kelly Rowland, so I think we have a better shot at getting Beyonce. There you go. I don't know how that math works. <laughs> um, just made it up. It's okay. Uh, I know Gail. I've met her, and she's very kind. And so maybe Oprah. And Michelle, I have met twice. You should get Oprah and Gail to do something Bapsish. <laughs> That's for free. That you got would all- be incredible. Give like. Get them hoochied up. Do something. Why don't we just do a BAP sketch? A like BAP just sketch do a with Oprah and Gayle King. Boom. Okay. Done. See? Will you please sign away all your creative rights? You can have them. You heard it here. <laughs> the BAP's idea is her. Can you imagine? I know. Where Oprah gets the gold tooth in the beehive? Oh, totally. my God. I Oprah is a fashion Nova. <laughs> I would die. Oprah is some clear heels. Okay, well, you're hired as a writer for All season right. two if we get it. So. Oprah with a wig that's kind of slanted? Listen. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all for it. Babs is an underrated comedy. Okay, see, now you're going to cancel me. Guess what? You hate it. Babs is some bullshit. So, Babs is bullshit, but in the best way. Yeah. It, it's would like you put it in a tang. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Good, bad movie? It's a good, bad movie. Yeah, I agree. It's okay, a good I, bad would, movie. I, I, I would put that and in. And think about the time to get that movie made then. I <laughs> know, imagine that. I don't know how it happened. Mm-mm. Truly. Because you couldn't get that movie made today. No, if you, you could s- never get that movie say, made. You said we're gonna have today. two, you know, hoochie ass black women. Never. And an old dude. It was it was uh because it was kind of a, a take on disorderlies. Right. Oh, yeah. which I love. Yeah, that's a good oh, movie. Oh my God. I mm. love the disorders. Fat boys. Yeah, fat boys. Yeah. Oh. See, I'm just boys. full of ideas. I'm full of ideas and I still have many questions to ask you. So we're going to take a quick break and hopefully I can come up with a question that's tougher than the one I just asked you about Michelle Obama, Beyonce, and Oprah. So we'll be back in a moment.
Oh, there was another question I wanted to ask you about a black lady sketch show. Yes. Yo, who came up with the slavery fog? Oh, that was I, so funny. No, ma'am. It was not slavery. It was? Slavery fog. Oh, my God. That's okay. what I thought it was. No, you are not the only person to think this. Okay. Okay, so the opening I sketch. I mean, you got two black people running in the woods. I know, but that's how conditioned we are. See, that's how conditioned we are is that we can't even see black people you running in the woods. You about to hotep me on my own show? <laughs> I'm about to hurtep you. Hurtep me, sorry. See, see, see. Uh, no, the, the crazy part was, <laughs> the crazy part was, it's just, they're skin cells. So when we zoom out from, if, so basically, for those of you who haven't seen in the sketch there's two black women in monochromatic brown outfits running through the forest and there's a fog rolling in behind them they get overtaken by the fog we zoom out from the fog and we're in an ashy patch of skin on yvonne orgy's arm she goes dang i'm ashy right she puts lotion on right. and we go that. back to them and the fog is gone so the fog is ash and oh. they are skin cells okay. on her arm they're well, i knew they were related but i was like oh the slavery fog and when well, uh one of the characters she says dang i'm ashy and puts well, lotion on and the fog is away about how the fog is never a good sign for us well, I can't. That's a separate point, which but, I do agree with. So then but, I thought of slavery because I'm triggered. You're not the only one. Yeah, <laughs> I think that is a testament. There's two fundamental misunderstandings about this show so far that have. This is the cool thing about making shows like this, is that people just really see what they want to see, which is really interesting, and you can't anticipate it as a creator and as a writer. So it was supposed to just look like a horror movie, but we, had, we were shooting in Griffith Park and the sun hadn't quite gone down, but we had to just get the shots. So, um, you know, it wasn't pitch black, but I don't think the time of day would have mattered. I think everybody thought it was just slaves running. <laughs> but I was like, but she says, has a fog ever been good? Has a fog ever picked you up from the airport? I'm like, why would a slave say that? <laughs> I just saw like fog. Everybody's minds when they saw a black person running. <laughs> like, I saw woods, fog, black people running. I was like, damn, we slaves? Like, what's happening? No, and I will not do any slavery sketches. That is against my motto in the room. Mm. I feel like slavery is not funny, nor do I want to find it. So that really made me sad that people thought <laughs> it was slavery. See? I'm like, at least when they saw the ash on her arm, didn't they understand? Or did you just think slavery lived on her arm? <laughs> I'm oppressed. I know. I'm oppressed. It's, I Help think, me. I know. Look, I think I think a lot of people just saw it and saw what we've only been conditioned to see. Mm. And I think the same thing happened with this no makeup sketch. So we had this sketch where my character uh, comes to work with a beat face every day. And then her girlfriend's like, you, you're going to get fired. You keep coming late. And I'm like, I got to put on makeup. It takes so long to beat this face. She's like, girl, don't. And I was like, no, if I don't wear makeup, people always ask, are you okay? You look sick. So the next day I come in with no makeup and I proceed within a few minutes to basically die in front of her because I don't have makeup on and I just she in her mind I look so crazy that I look like death um and then I put on makeup and I'm fine again but people were like oh I get it light skin problems and I was like wait what <laughs> that wasn't about being light skin like it's not even truthfully about really being about black I mean I think uh, you know we thought about like how black women sometimes we have hyperpigmentation or whatever or if you have any sort of like dark mark on your face, like everybody thinks if you don't have makeup on, you look sick, which is crazy to me. But honestly, it's any person who has worn makeup and then not worn makeup has felt that. But people internalize it. Like black people are like, yeah, I get it. Being light skinned is hard. I was like, We're, no, like, that's, not our, <laughs> that's not our message. That is not our message. <laughs> but it is, it's wild how people interpret the sketches, which is really cool actually to see. Now it's a little different when, you know, uh, and I know this obviously happens to a lot of uh, black women at work, but, you know, the whole when we change our hairstyle and you think it's a totally same different thing. person, same, th which same you, thing, which you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a great sketch too. It was like, um, 
you know, it's mostly let's be real. It's mostly white people. That, oh yeah, that that's that. definitely white people that get confused. Yeah, you know, if we, you know, you come in with a ponytail one day, braids the next, they're like, "What happened, Lakeisha?" <laughs> and you're like, "My name is Robin." Um, <laughs> or they or to- just the two black women at work who always get called the wrong, their the other one's name. It's like there's only two of us here. You can learn our <laughs> you can learn our names. Well, it, it works that way when you're on TV too. Well, who's the, the person they think you are that you're not? Um, no, I don't really get anybody. I just get people used to yell Larry Wilmore at me, not calling me him, but that's the only way they knew. <laughs> like, associated you're like, uh, and then they'd be you. like, oh, uh, BET. And now they're just like, get off the sidewalk. I don't know. No, people know now. You know what it is for me? People just always call me Thede, and it's Thede. Right. So it's the last name mispronunciation. Shalongi, Thede. Thede. Uh, so I always get Thede all the time. So um, speaking of your, your, um, your once uh, nighttime talk show. Yeah. Um, what'd you learn about that entire experience? You know, for me, I learned a lot more about running a show because I was running my own show that I was also performing on, that I was also writing, that I was also producing. <laughs> I have like four jobs on every show. But um, yeah, I just learned a lot about how um, the audience dictates a lot the scope of your show if you let them. But I also think there's ways that you can... Um, show the audience where you want them to go as well. I think it's a give and take. And so I wanted to really make a show that was about politics and pop culture at the intersection of those two things where it mattered to black people. And so, uh, you know, just the older I get and the more I've created my own shows, the more I really think about what matters to us and what would I want to watch as a, as a viewer. Um, so I think what I learned is that hiring black women is always a good idea. Um, and that you got to make what you want and really understand what your point of view is before you can put your work out there. And I think that's really important because otherwise it's going to feel like you don't know what you're doing or the show feels disjointed. And I feel like the last couple of shows I've done have felt very purposeful and very like, you know what you're watching. You may not like it and that's okay, but you know what you're watching. It's very clear what it is. So I think that helped me really hone my voice in that way. And by the way, um, I, I think, I hope I thanked you at the time. I'm not sure, but thanks for the shout out on the rundown. We shouted you out. You did. Every week. <laughs> and you did. I was, we I, rolled for you real y'all hard. rolled for me very hard. Um, <laughs> we just, whatever. I don't know how much we can talk about that, but that was just all bullshit. And we were, that was the point. And that was the nice thing about being able to have that late night show is that I was able to say that, to call out bullshit where bullshit was happening. And without having voices like that in late night, How do we get that representation? Like, how do we hear those opinions? And like, what happened to you and what's happened to so many people? What was happening to Kaepernick? What still is happening to Kaepernick um, is crazy. And it's like, without me on the air, who's going to say those things in that same way? And I think that's what was disappointing to me. The only thing I was disappointed about, um, because luckily I was able to get my staff into a lot of other jobs. So the only thing that really disappointed me about not being on air anymore was the fact that I couldn't represent us anymore. And I know I can't represent all of us, right? And nor is that my goal, but I can at least be a voice, mm-hmm. you know? So is is that something that you still want to do? Would you... Late night? Yeah. Nope. You're done? <laughs> Damn it. Okay. You give me no. all these great lessons. You're like, yeah, but I'd never do that shit again. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> no, maybe. I mean, it was hard because between that show and the nightly show, I was in a 24-hour news cycle for five years of my life, straight with no breaks. And, you know, I sold the rundown two weeks after the, run, uh, after the nightly show got canceled. I was right into it. So... You know, I, it's a drain on you psychologically. And we have an election coming up in the next year that's going to be very important. And I don't know. I think if the right opportunity presented itself, I would. But I I knew I needed a break now. Yeah, that daily TV grind is 
is it's not even just daily it's the politics part of it and having to know every nuance of every story that's coming out a lot of information to absorb a lot of information mm-hmm. it makes you really you know you can get depressed really easily cuz i care and that's probably my mistake <laughs> but i care and i care what's happening to us and just watching us get beat by the cops every day and shot and legislation that's you know systematically oppressing us back into jim crow like it's all you know i was like i'm going to go write some sketches <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, things of yours that uh, speaking of Jim Crow, what speaking of like <laughs> that transition, but like by the way, speaking of black people being beaten, killed by the cops, uh, no, uh, this is about something else. That, another project um, that I, that I think you've sold uh, the comedy series for a- ABC. Oh yeah, right about your childhood growing up yes. in a trailer park. Yes, growing up in a trailer park in Iowa. My mother's from the west side of Chicago. Uh, I, your mother was a politician. My mother is a politician. Is a politician. She's in the, st- in the state house of representatives in Iowa. See, that's why you care. Yes, that's true. <laughs> First black woman in her district. Um, but she, you know, was raised in Chicago, and then we spent summers on the south side of Chicago with with her side of the family around the corner from Michelle Obama. Actually, um, we didn't know her at the time, but when I read her book, I was like Euclid. That was right around the corner from all those people. Little did you know, you were right in the vicinity of the literally seven houses away. First lady of the United States. Crazy. Mm. Um, But yeah, so you know, and my dad was from Iowa. We settled in between where he grew up in Chicago on the Iowa Illinois border and lived in a trailer park. And it was like, you know, that was like a crazy way to grow up. You know, and it was a crazy upbringing to have, but it did teach me about all kinds of different people. And so for me, it was about portraying a a family that grew up in these circumstances. That's not what you would think. You know, whenever I meet black people, they're like, where are you from? I'm like, well, originally Iowa. And they're like, oh my God. They always, you know, it's always that. I mean, you know, even from Michigan, it's different, but like Iowa's- No, no, even being from Detroit, I I can't say I know too But you can say Detroit and people think, okay, you got cred. You know what I mean? You say Iowa, they're like, I don't know about this one. You got nothing. (laughs) Right. So you're constantly having to defend yourself and it's like defending your blackness. And it was really fun for me to be able to create this show that not only got to highlight the love that was in my family, but also this like crazy upbringing and how you're still very um, uh, close-knit as a family, but how you deal with your own blackness in an environment that doesn't value it. And then when you get out of that and you, um, you know, have it kind of different ways and you and you really value like where you came from. So I got... Kind of a bit of everything, right? Going up in a white trash trailer park, essentially. I mean, was this pre-meth? No, meth was in there, honey. Oh, okay. Meth Ooh, was in I there. Bet. I knew what meth was, and then it became all the rage. And I was like, oh, I've been seeing meth. But trailer park people invented meth, honey. We had a prostitute next door who was dating her pimp, and then she got a boyfriend, and then he <laughs> wait, stabbed. Wait, wait, that's, that sounds like a bossup headline. <laughs> Listen, this is what I'm saying. White people are just like us when we're when we're all poor. <laughs> Although there were some black people in the trailer park too, but she, she, her boyfriend got stabbed by her pimp husband, and we had to like step <laughs> wait, over wait. blood going to school. It was crazy. You can't date your pimp. You cannot date your pimp. If you people take away nothing else from this podcast, you, you can't date, date, your, date pimp. your pimp. I mean, that's not even because he will stab your boyfriend. Thank you. Um. So yeah. So I sold that to um ABC, and I called it Black Trash, and they were like, "You definitely can't call it that." And. <laughs> That's, ge- that's genius. That's genius. Thank you. Yeah. And then we called it something else, and then it didn't go to pilot. And then I realized it didn't because I think they already had mixed-ish coming. 
these that does not sound like the same. It's not the same, but it is a black woman and a white man. <laughs> there you go. And a family. That's all it needed to matter. About very different story. <laughs> right. But like, how wait, dare what? you have to? <laughs> uh, but it was great. It was a great experience developing it and figuring out, you know, how to tell your story on network TV, which is very different from cable. So yeah, I wanna. I still want to tell that story in some way. Okay, because I would say, tell me, you know, you do plan to continue to try to get yeah. this done. Yeah, I would love to. And I just have lots of ideas that I want to do. What is your secret? I mean, because you've seen, uh, you've been a part of, of, of projects, you've seen Stop Starts, you've seen, you know, kind of the gamut of everything that happens in the end of, uh, the entertainment industry. So what is it that keeps you going? Uh, money. Good answer. Uh, I like to be rich and <laughs> I'm going to keep working towards that. Okay. Uh, no, I think, I think I can't do anything else. I'm so bad at math and like... Uh, uh, everything. Um, <laughs> everything. Is I have no sketches. discernible skills. <laughs> I love performing. You know, I started as a performer only, and I started writing just because I was like, "Oh, well, if I write, that can help me pay some bills while I'm auditioning." And then realized that I was like, "Oh, I'm actually good at this." But that was the cool thing is that I always wrote for myself to perform, and like that was my thing, and I knew that was my thing. And whether it was on sitcoms or sketch or in late night, it always was kind of part and parcel of the same thing. And so I think for me to do anything else would have been insane. But I think what keeps me going – so what kept me going as a younger person was – Look, the Red Divine called you young, so you, you got to receive that. You have which to is why that. I have to say just younger than I am because I'm already so young. It's, like, disgusting. But um, <laughs> but when when I first started out, I think what kept me going was, like, I just want to get good at this and I want to be known for this, right? Not necessarily famous, but like, I want to make a living doing this and be great. And then once I started making a living doing it, I never really had a side hustle. And then I um, got to a place where I had a lot of success and started breaking records and whatever. And then I was like, okay, well now why am I doing this? And I think right around the time the nightly show got canceled, I said, well, now it's time to start looking outside of myself. What can I do to give things back to my community and to give things back in the form of entertainment. And that was the whole purpose of making the rundown was filling uh, a space that, you know, where we weren't represented. And then with this show, obviously in a huge way. So I just want to keep the doors open for us. And, you know, Ava says, don't get a seat at the table, build the house. So that's what I want to do. I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a legacy for black women in comedy. I want to leave a legacy for writers, black women, writers and, and, uh, you know, little girls who just grew up in a trailer park. <laughs> All three of us. <laughs> well, those girls. three little black girls. And two of them are my sisters. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it, it's crazy, right? Like girls from the Midwest, like black girls from the Midwest, or black girls with anything to prove. I don't care if you're from the Bronx, you're from Iowa, you're from Jamaica. It's like we all have something to prove in some way because we all have that common denominator of being misunderstood or undervalued or underestimated. And so I think that's what keeps me going is just like seeing us win. It makes me so happy. Mm. Well, I mean, to get in this position, I'm sure you had your you had some mentors and and people that. No, you, I did this all by myself. Well, I figured, but I just want to give you an opportunity to maybe give somebody else some credit. So no, no but who were we can move on. Who, who were important mentors for you? Yeah. So she is uh, not someone I know personally, but I'm obsessed with her, and she's actually sent me through various reps. Uh, kind messages, but Whoopi Goldberg, I always shout her out on everything I do. Um, I just think she was the first black woman I ever saw doing characters or being funny in any way. And she just blew me away. And like, I'll just never get that feeling out of my soul of watching her 
put on a towel on her head and do that white girl voice and like playing a, a drug addict and playing like all these characters and like shifting her face and her body and transforming into these amazing characters. That just blew my mind as a kid. And then, um, but my mentors who I actually know, <laughs> Larry Wilmore, John Stewart, Chris Rock, they've all been so amazing. Chris Rock executive produced my late night show. Um, Larry Wilmore obviously hired me at the nightly show and John Stewart was our executive producer there too. And that was when he was still doing the daily show and he came and just really like sat with me and talked to me about how this show would work and, and how, you know, you manage a writing staff and Larry obviously has worked on and created the Bernie Mac show, worked on a living color, sister, sister, fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like the PJs, like Larry has been instrumental in so much black TV that people honestly do not give him enough credit. Um, but he's taught me so much. He taught me that, you know, at work, you don't have to make people happy. You just have to create an environment where they can thrive. And that took a lot because I want to make people happy. And I still have that stupid Midwest thing where I'm like, I want people to like me and be happy. That's that trailer park in you. It's that trailer park. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, it's silly because you, you are not responsible for people's happiness. But at the same time, like, I just want us, I want everybody to be as lucky as I have. You know, and I think people are like, oh, you're not lucky, you're talented. I'm like, yeah, but there's so many talented people I know working a job that they hate, you know, and they haven't had the opportunities I've had. And yes, I've worked very, very hard, but, um, you know, especially just being so young, I'm like 18. So it's really, <laughs> I'm so young. Oh, Jamel, I'm so you young. You are. It's like you, Halle Berry, Angela Bassett, you're like 18, 21. Just like 18 years 23. old. 23. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, I can't wait to be 23. Well, and yeah, but it's, but it's cool. And I think that's what is important to me. And that's what keeps me going too, is I just, I, I would have killed for somebody who was doing what I'm doing now as a young comedian coming up. Um, I hope that is now arrogant. No, it probably did. No, no, <laughs> I would have killed for me when I was growing up because I'm amazing. What would make me happy is two things. Okay, one, HBO folks, if you're listening, y'all better have a season two in the future. Season two, season, season two. two, two. I need a sketch. <laughs> I need you to be, be in, in a sketch. I need to be in a sketch, Done. man. Uh, I don't care what you cast me as, method, okay, whatever. Like, great. ask me something. No problem. All right. That's just Kelly that. Rowling came to do one line. That's what I always tell people. It's like there's space for like – we didn't know. We thought we were going to have like six or seven guest stars for the whole series. We have, I don't know, 40 or 50. It's insane in six episodes because everybody was like, no, I'll do it. I was like, oh, we didn't think y'all was going to say yes this much. Honestly, you would have been in season one, but like Angela Bass and Kelly Rowling, like not putting you I'll below them. I'll, I'll allow it. I'm just I'll saying they it. shocked me by saying yes. No, it's all But good. I should have had you in there, my bad. No. Wanda Sykes is so mad at me, by the way. Like, in a funny way. Right. She's a friend. But like, uh, let me just pick that name up. Um, <laughs> she's a friend. But she was like, bitch, you. And I said, no, Wanda, look at our text. You were on tour shooting your comedy special. She was like, I was. But I didn't know you meant that that was the only day I could shoot. But the problem was we shot the show so fast. We only shot it in a few weeks like five weeks or something. So we didn't, it, scheduling was kind of crazy. But season two, God willing, and by God, I mean HBO, um, Jamel Hill, we will get you in there. Y'all heard it here. See, that's no that problem. trade-off for that BAPS idea. Boom. Yo. See what I'm saying? Honestly, an incredible idea. You <laughs> might right. be on the writing staff while you're fucking around. I got you. Um, <laughs> well, thank you, You got Robin. time, right? <laughs> Maybe yeah, 10 right. minutes. Okay. <laughs> the whole month. Um <laughs> But thank you, Robin, for dropping by and spending some time thank with me. So Everybody, much. please watch this show. Now, I'm always on black people's head about this. 
we complain about the content, how it doesn't represent us, yeah. how, um, you know, we don't have enough things that speak to, you know, our lives that we can relate to. When the content is there, support it. Y'all watch a lot of dumb shit. Watch a Robin show be any different. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a jokey joke. Um, but anyway, yes, thank you for joining me um, on this episode of uh, Jamel Hill is Unbothered. But as the people know, we are not done yet. Not done. Not done. Not finished. Coming up next, your favorite segment and mine. Fuck it, I'm bothered. So in America, I know how we get down. Everybody here loves a bargain. We just love a good deal. I myself am not above a bargain or a good deal. But even in our cheapness, we still got to have standards, people. So Olive Garden had this promotion where they were selling 50 lifetime pasta passes for $400, which means unlimited pasta, soup, salad, breadsticks for the rest of your life. These passes sold out in less than a second, a second. So I know what you're probably thinking as you're listening to this. Jamel, what the fuck are you bothered about? And yes, I did just go third person on you. Well, I'm going to tell you what I was fucking bothered about. The fact that there are 50 people out there who bought these passes because that means they clearly don't love themselves. One, y'all do know Olive Garden actually isn't good, right? Yeah, I said it. It's not good. Two, who wants to eat Olive Garden of all things for the rest of your life? Now, if you are going to die in about three weeks or three hours, all right, I get it. Now, I could see if this was Popeye's, but only spicy. That's the only thing I would eat for the rest of my life. Then keep that mild. If you pay $50 for a lifetime of mild, you pay too damn much. But we have to, again, have some standards, people. Just because it's cheap, that doesn't mean it's good. Stay unbothered. Jamel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify Studios and Unbothered Inc. and recorded and edited by Rich Burner and Cadence 13. Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent. Evan Dick is our executive producer. Jesse Burton is the executive producer for Spotify. And Denise Holly is the program manager. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. <laughs>